Let's shake it up a little. Welcome to the Salt and Pepper Podcast, adding a little bit of salt and a little bit of spice to make your Tuesday just right. Here's your hosts, Lisa and Olivia. Welcome to the Salt and Pepper Podcast. My name is Olivia, and I don't have my notes in front of me, so I don't really, I don't really know who I am today. Um, <laughs> hang on, I am the creator of Olivia Crin, a blog, a podcast, and a free editing photo resource for creatives. And this week, my current obsession is onesies. I got one. I loved one. I never took it off. And across from me is Lisa Brasser. What does your onesie look like? I got it from Macy's on Black Friday. The only thing I got on Black Friday. It has like a... I can't explain it. It's The base is black and there's just like a pattern on it. It's not like the cutest thing I've ever seen in my life. It's just so comfy. It is... I feel like I'm like slipping into a cloud. Wow. That sounds like you're slipping into fog. Yeah. That sounds depressing. And it has a hood. <laughs> so I like will take all my makeup off, put it on, put the hood on, and just get oh, in my bed and that. like edit. And if people come in, I'm oh, like... <laughs> I'm imagining you in the dark with just a screen on your face. Just so scary. Get away from me. Um, introduce yourself. Hi. Um, I'm... Hi, friends. <laughs> what is today? I don't I'm know. I'm Lisa Brosser. I'm also a creative. I'm a mom. I'm a wife of two. And my current obsession is... No makeup. Is that it? Uh-huh. We're like super put together today. I know. Today is like just so not the day. It's been, we have had a week. This day. A day. I, I don't even know. And what sucks too is like, we're not the, at the end. And I keep thinking, well, <laughs> tomorrow I don't have a lot going on. And then I look over and our trails like scheduled two more meetings. And it's like Friday. Friday's the day I'll be able to just work on stuff. And then I look at the calendar full and I'm just like I actually can't and I actually need today to sit down and like how can you create content if you have no time to create content do you know what I'm saying yes definitely especially if you need to be a creative and you need to like have like that time of being creative but when you're just go 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 always something going on that's so hard I can't imagine and it gets dark at 11 30 a.m now <laughs> so that doesn't really it gets light at nine i know we'll see and the thing is is i love this time of year but i do often forget how bad it gets because like right now i could technically go do pictures if i needed to right but it's like that's not even at three o'clock it's like well we're it's pretty much too late at this point so no it sucks but it is true i have been loving not wearing makeup but mainly because my skin has been so awful it's been the worst you're I'm not going to discredit how you're feeling, but your version of awful for skin is like really minor. Like I couldn't even see it. Like one day you were like, look at my face. And I got close and you're like, don't get close. Oh, I got, I felt, oh, and I never, well, because <laughs> I do, that is one of my favorite things about myself is my skin. You have so felt, anything uh, happens. I mean, just being pregnant, I know this now and it's unfortunately going to happen every single pregnancy. It goes crazy it goes berserk i have no idea what's going on am i oily am i dry why am i bumpy literally everywhere and then this time around 
my face decides to give me like a hyperpigmentation mustache and I'm red and just dry and flaky under my nose like throughout the rest of my mouth and I'm like okay well this is what color corrector is for and then I have to wear a ton of makeup then it looks disgusting okay and I just want to take it off just to give you guys a taste of what I'm looking at is like the most perfectly (laughs) even dewy skinned person that I've always seen which I will tell you I will credit you there was a small amount of hyperpigmentation I wasn't wearing makeup okay and the fact that you weren't wearing makeup and it still looked like that, I was like, Gosh. dude, like there are times when I break out a lot on my chin and people break out to the point where they have like zits all over their face. That's But I rough. was. I did. Okay. And I believe you. I'm an esthetician. Mm-hmm. So really you're just complimenting me on how good at makeup I am, which I agree. I love how I do my makeup and other people's makeup. Um, it's too bad that's not my job still because I could really sell this out. Um, wow. But I forgot I just my know. gold stars today. I'll go find them later and give them to you. Um, gosh, someone's probably full today. Me. Um, but I just really know like what works with skin and how to combat everything. And so my skin is finally evening out. Honestly, I will plug Koja Numbers. I got their oil. Mm-hmm. It has been saving me. I, I doubt everything before I actually try it. And my friend started Koja Numbers, and so this was partially me having dis- having a discount and just being excited to try their new product and wanting to support them, and then being so amazed by how much it helped my skin. I haven't used it yet. Um, Koja Numbers, you guys can go listen to episode 20. Um, I interview Alana of Koja Numbers, and her stuff's incredible. And I don't know why I haven't tried her oil. I think it looks so pretty. It's beautiful. That I just don't want to take it out of the packaging and, like, use it. I'm like, wait, that just looks pretty in my bathroom. (laughs) I'm not going to touch that. And you can... And so what I've been doing is I've been mixing it with my foundation. Oh, that's smart. And so that's that's been helping a lot. And then I'll add a little bit of moisturizer. So it's kind of like a BB cream. Do you use um, a liquid foundation or a powder? Both. It depends on okay. what my skin's doing. Yeah, because I can't use a liquid because my freckles and mm-hmm. it just covers too much. So it does make it hard for a while. I was doing, I have this turmeric blueberry oil Ooh. and it was so good. And I was putting it under, but mixing it with the powder was making like kind of this weird, like it didn't look good dewy. It just looked weird. Like something was happening. Was it like separating? Kind of. And it wasn't my, it wasn't adhering as much to my uh-huh. skin. And I was like, so I do obviously all the oils at night, but I can't do them in the morning, which I really really want to but yeah the curse of of freckles you know I know I love those freckles I don't even I I always tell Olivia I don't even want her to wear foundation the days that you haven't worn makeup I mean I love you with makeup but I love it when you're just like chilled out Olivia I know chilled out Liv well (laughs) there you go I uh I mean I really put like one to maybe two light brushes of powder I don't really wear that much um but I used to cover all my makeup or my freckles up with makeup, like hardcore liquid because I hated them. And then I finally embraced them. And then like a year ago, I went to a clinic because I got a gift card there. And I was just asking them like about like Botox and everything like that. Lisa doing syringes in her face. And um, I was like sitting in the clinic and I was just kind of asking her, I'm like, kind of like, what was her advice? I'm like, what do you think I need? You know? And then she was like, the first thing she offered was a laser to laser off my freckles. And I was like, five 
finally I was like reaching a spot where I felt so good and not that she knocked that out of me but I was just kind of like no should I want that though but that's probably because there are so many people who hate their freckles no totally. so she was probably just going off of everyone else I know it was just kind of like I didn't really ask you about my freckles I was asking you about I was asking her about fine lines the whole time so then for her to just like throw that in there I'm Um, like um, have you heard of liposuction (laughs) (laughs) we have this amazing thing you can do on your stomach Wait, is this a... Is, I can refer you to somebody. Wait a second. I didn't ask you about that. Get surgery the next yeah. day. Oh, my gosh. Um, well, so, anyway, should we get to the silver lining of the yeah, week? Yeah, what's your silver lining? Um, I was looking down at yours. It says, he's been sleeping really good. I'm like, I don't think that's mine. Um, sorry, I just said yours. So um, it's kind of whatever. So I on so actually on today's podcast, I dive more into what was going on. But I was having a lot of breathing issues, I think I was telling you about. And like my whole body was going numb and my face was going numb. My head was going numb. And it was like a really weird sensation. And it was really scaring me. Um, and so I went to the doctor and I paid an arm and a leg. Bye, arm and leg. And um, see, I'll see you later. And I figured out what it, what it was. And so I, the silver, well, I found out it was, a, it was anxiety, which was weird. But Join the club. Yeah. And I didn't know, I knew that anxiety can make a lasting impression on your physical being, but I didn't know how bad it could get. And mm-hmm. I've literally heard of people losing, like, um, my friend was telling me about somebody who was going through like a hard divorce and they lost, uh, they went paralyzed in half of their face, but then it came back. What? So like for that time, the stress was like making half their face paralyzed. So I started hearing these stories and I'm like, that's what it was. But that, hello? someone just got in a car crash. Yeah. Um, but it's just kind of a weird experience because I've never dealt with that to be told that and be like, okay, but I'm, I'm happy that it was that and not something like more medical Mm -hmm. because I could not afford to do that (laughs) anyway because you were thinking it was like your lungs like it was Mm -hmm. because I had asthma growing up so I thought it was that and then I did get an inhaler and stuff just in case um but it has been a lot better and then I did notice that night I was I was going through because I've been like kind of going through stuff so I was in that type of conversation again and my whole body immediately went numb it was Mm -hmm. like the weirdest thing so it's like certain things bring it on yeah I think just things that I've been really concentrating on like deeply into my like soul and then when I start to think of those that literally it takes a second and the symptoms come up so it's kind of weird but the the silver lining truly is that now I know what it is so I can combat that so so good yeah um my silver lining so um bear has been awful and Uh, We weren't sure if he was sick or what was going on, but it just got to the point where he not only was clingy, I can deal with that. I think it's adorable because then he just wants to be around me all the time. But I feel like he was just starting to get to the point where when I was going to work out, he just would not stay in the childcare or he would cry for like 20 minutes and I would have to go in and pick him up. And sometimes we would have to leave and I wouldn't be able to work out or even just putting him in childcare at the church. And he always did great with that. Didn't even notice that I would leave or that I was there in the first place. (laughs) And um, just over Thanksgiving break, he was just so naughty. (laughs) Um, Do you think it's uh, 
getting older, he's starting to walk more and all that it, it stuff. It could have been growing pains. We finally realized that he popped a tooth. And yeah. then, so his bottom right, and then his canine is bulging right now. And Probably so, hurts so bad. Exactly. And so <laughs> through all that, even though the days are really, really hard, it's so funny because I think that there's always, no matter what you're going through, there's always going to be some sort of time that you're given. And so I think the Lord gave me 12 hours of sleep. Amazing. Which hasn't happened since he was so teeny tiny and that just made everything so much more worth it because I felt like I could actually help him out during the day Mm -hmm. and it just made everything bearable and I didn't get stressed out easily um when I'm not getting good sleep and he's freaking out during the day sometimes I just have to call my mom or my mother-in-law and I'm like I'm at my breaking point. I need you to come and take bear. Mm. And then they just come and swoop him up for a couple hours and I decompress. That's so nice. You have that. I know. Um, but that's after. Yeah. After so. you hit your breaking point <laughs> anyway, so it doesn't exactly. matter. That's so hard. Um, they know they need to come get bear if I'm calling them. Yeah. Because um, that hardly ever happens. So, I mean, I got so much sleep, unfortunately, and also the best he's doing better <laughs> but now he's not sleeping good anymore yeah, that's but so that's hard okay. lisa today when i was getting ready i heard a uh, ding dong at the door do you know what that meant no i have no idea please tell me it meant oh my gosh a package is here a package from santa santa no the ups man did you order something no i just well okay yeah i did but if you're (laughs) listening you very well could not have ordered something and there could be a package coming to your door then what did they do all they had to do was subscribe written review to our podcast send us a screenshot of doing that which by the way takes what two minutes at the most and Go to our most recent Instagram post and tell us what they want for Christmas. Honestly, that sounds so easy to me to get a really cool care package. A holiday gift. Guess from from who? <laughs> from who? Us. <laughs> from us. That's exactly <laughs> what we're saying. <laughs> but in all reality, if you're listening and you got a nice little commercial interruption, it's because we want to send a few of you some nice little holiday gifts. And all you have to do is what we said right before this. So head on over there, subscribe, rate, and review, and you're going to receive a package from two straight up hotties. Sounds great. I wish I could. Can I do this? No. Okay. I okay. wish I could do this. Okay. Uh, bye. I was just talking to a friend. She had texted me after the episode that just came out yesterday and I was like no wonder like celebrities have so many kids because they have so much help oh gosh and whenever I watch I would have 20 kids by now I know and like whenever I watch the Kardashians which honestly I'm not knocking on any way to parent because I don't know how I would be as a parent no I wish I had a nanny yeah or like I think the biggest thing is not even a nanny during the day but a night nurse absolutely but I wish I had someone 24 7 I know and so when I see that I'm like how do they have like they get their bodies back so quick they're so chill and I'm like wait I never see their kids around them well only Kim and that's because she wasn't allowed to carry more she carried three kids they they, they got surrogates yeah some of them some of them did but it came out later that she couldn't 
Camille. Oh, she didn't yeah, say it at the beginning, but no, yeah, she just she made it. She was talking herself up in a way that which was made weird because that's not really a way to talk and she yourself changed up after too. Yeah, she was like the worst and ended up being one of the best. Yeah, but she couldn't carry another kid. But Aww. Kim, I think, carried two, but they were told yeah. her she could not carry anymore. Yeah. But anyway, with all of that <laughs> being said, I'm like, wow. If you have help, I'm sure. Like having kids is like pretty freaking easy, especially at night. If you're sleeping, you can do anything. When you're not sleeping, you can't even mm-hmm. stub your toe without wanting to like die. <laughs> yeah. So you're about to say kill something because that's more appropriate. Honestly. I was about to say kill yourself, but we just had a discussion right before this how I <laughs> well, should stop saying that. <laughs> well, yeah, actually, that's appropriate. I mean, if you're to uh-huh. get real deep yeah i know i've been i've been trying to work on being a little bit more self-aware which right. is honestly i'm over it so i'm not going to do it anymore <laughs> um so today on today's show we have wesley town for some reason i keep wanting to say townsend like for every time i think Weird. of his name i don't know why anyway we have wesley town on the podcast he is the host of the better days podcast which is so amazing especially if you so deal amazing. with mental health or long-term suffering um and lisa's known him for forever mm-hmm. worked with him and it was a really five years but it feels like forever yeah we're I'm, really close with him five years husband. longer than i've known him <laughs> uh but it was a really great episode yeah, i feel really like good um so yeah we dive into a lot of topics just about like mental health and like suffering and chronic pain and uh whether you're a christian or you're not a christian um how you deal with that um and yeah it's hard yeah i think it it brings a lot of he brought a lot of insight as far as um what having chronic illness looks like and even we asked him questions about how to talk to people with chronic illness which i think is something that is so overseen and people overstep far too often and Mm -hmm. they don't understand what true depression is too and just talking about anxiety and what that really means especially in church culture which has been misconstrued Mm -hmm. for far too long so i'm really glad we're in a time where we're in the upswing of things Mm -hmm. i agree um so yeah i hope you guys enjoy this episode um and uh that's all i got to say about that (laughs) Talk to you later. Talk to you later. <laughs> Wesley Town is the host of the Better Days podcast. He's a former pastor and he planted Ecclesia, a church in Eugene, Oregon. Wesley is passionate about mental health and finding true joy and hope in the midst of suffering. He encourages all of us who deal with anxiety and depression and what we can do to embrace the new realities some of us have to live in, but also to not have shame. We are so happy Wesley took the time to talk about the importance of uh, mental health. So, Wesley, let's shake it up, shall we? Hi, Wes. Welcome to the show. Thank you for (laughs) having me. (laughs) Starting off is always the most awkward for me because I'm always like, I don't know how to start off. But I'm really excited to have you here. I've always known your pod. My podcast is best friends with your podcast on Instagram, but we've never met each other. So it's so great to meet with you and hang out with you in your cool studio. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. And Lisa and Wesley know each other. Go way back. Way back. Way back. From what, the like beginning five, of you dating six Zach. Years. Yep. Oh, that's yep. crazy. He officiated our wedding. Wes Aww. was my boss. He was my pastor. <laughs> Many overlaps of yeah. relationship. And then obviously, like, best friend. Yeah. We love that's Wes. Cool. Oh, yes. The best. For sure. <laughs> um, okay, cool. Well, can you just tell us just a little bit about yourself? A little summary of what you do, who you are? Yeah. 
Well, my name is Wesley Town. I was actually born in Southern Oregon, right where we're sitting, uh, the great city of Medford, and um, grew up in a broken home, uh, played sports, basketball, running. Uh, I became a pastor and started a church. This is like really short synopsis. That's okay, we'll, so we'll dive in, don't worry. Um, <laughs> left that church after 10 years, started uh, an organization called Better Days around mental health and suffering. Mm-hmm. And uh, currently I speak, write, teach, um, podcast, and am going to be producing a video series around uh, mental health and suffering as well. So cool. yeah, a lot of digital um, teaching and content around those subjects. That's awesome. So let's just dive in. Yeah, so you say in. the first thing you said is you grew up in a broken home. Mm-hmm. I get that. I am the same way. Um, and I talk about it a lot on the show, how I feel like growing up in a broken home can either make you or break you. And it's your choice, which one it is. Um, so for you, obviously, it didn't. It might have broken you at some point. I don't know. But how has that affected you to start all of this and everything like that? Yeah, I think... Um you know, when we grow up in a broken home, it's interesting. It has a profound effect on our life because when we're children, we're developing, right? We're developing emotion. We're de- our brain is developing. We're developing our understanding of uh, relationships and uh, conflict and environment. And so I think it has a profound effect on our life. I think uh, anybody who broke grows up in a broken situation has brokenness as a result. Mm-hmm. For me and my sister... We had uh, four dads by the time I was in eighth grade. Wow. Uh, we went through a lot of trauma, and yet we both were very motivated people. So instead of following the pathways that we saw that were negative, um, we decided to make something out of our life. I, I was always a very motivated individual. I have a personality type that's an achiever. I have perfectionist in me, which can be good and bad, right? Mm-hmm. For those of you who have that personality type as well. And I always wanted to do something with my life mm-hmm. uh, from an early age. At the beginning, that was sports. Uh, I achieved a lot of success in basketball and uh, track, but uh, I always got bored in track, so I never really like truly invested in it. Uh, but that was my way out um, of a situation that was really hard mm-hmm. and negative and dark, uh, which was my family life for the most part growing up. And I wanted to go to college. Nobody in my family had graduated from college. So got a basketball scholarship and was able to make something out of my life. And I think what you said is true. We do choose our response. Mm -hmm. You know, people can do negative things toward us. But we don't have to let that negative choice another person made define our life. Totally. It has an impact upon our life. It has an impact upon the layers of our soul, Mm -hmm. our mind, our emotions, our relationships, but we can choose to uh, heal and we can choose to get help um, to process through those hurts, those pains, um, those internal and relational challenges that develop out of result of growing up in a formative environment that's unhealthy, Mm -hmm. which was my life. Um, So, yeah. Growing up, how did you first decide how to deal with everything because i'm guessing processing the brokenness that doesn't come naturally to a child or a teenager um and we've talked about this before 
such as Olivia, you growing up in a broken home, you chose not to party. You kept a very, I guess, well, healthy lifestyle still. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that is not the norm, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of children find other ways to process through their brokenness such as going to parties finding other people who are also broken and relating in that way so I'm wondering what was that for you how were you first trying to process through all of that yeah I think the benefit that I had was my family outside of my immediate home was really healthy Uh, they were invested in my life my aunts my uncles my Mm -hmm. grandparents Uh, were very invested in my life and I was able to open up to them at a young age uh, start sharing the hurt the pain the trauma that I went Mm. through so I think that really helped me jump starting that process Mm. rather than suppressing it until adulthood you know when it can kind of come out and spill out in really unhealthy ways although there were some things that I had to work through in my early adult life as well and I think we're always trying to process stuff uh, when we've dealt with really hard things in life Uh, So I think I had a benefit of really good, healthy family Mm -hmm. outside of my immediate home life. Um, And then I I also think that uh, I'm a disciplined person, so I was disciplined with my choices. I knew what I wanted out of life, even from a young age. And so maybe like you, I I had a vision. You know, I, I saw something good and positive that I could do with my life. And so I, I, I tried to be disciplined um, to get there. Although I did party for sure. Um, (laughs) and, uh, you know, I wasn't a follower of Jesus, uh, didn't grow up in a Christian home. So yeah, I, I I didn't necessarily live the most moral life. Um, but I did, uh, I did have a vision and a direction that I wanted to go in. Yeah. How, how was that then for you not having one father figure in your life? Um, was there maybe an uncle who had a really positive impact on you or did you just have a really good community around you? Yeah, I think sports provided a stable environment. So I looked up to my coaches as father's fig- mm-hmm. father figures. Also, my uh, my uncle on my dad's side and my uncle on my mom's side, I was really close to. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they were highly invested in my life growing up. They went to my games. They always spoke into my so life. Cool. I, w- I would share whatever I was going through with them. So those two individuals had a profound impact on my life and still do today. So you still had close relations with your father's side of the family. Yes. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah, really good. Yeah. And you and you have to have that. You know, you have to have those people in your life that you're really invested in. And and I was going to say too, it's it is interesting because growing up I didn't know I was in a broken home. Like you just live your reality. Mm-hmm. Like your reality was you had four dads and yeah, there was probably some really really sad times. Um, but like for me, it's like I didn't know it wasn't normal to like you know, have parents that sleep in separate rooms. I'm like, oh, it's just my existence. It wasn't until I was like 17 that I told my best friend, like nobody knew. And so to, it, it is just interesting because it is mindset, but it's also like, you're just like living your life and you're super invested in sports. I was invested in church and, um, I didn't know it was a thing to find other broken people. Cause I didn't feel broken. I was just doing mm-hmm. my thing. You know what I mean? I totally relate to that. Yeah. You know, when you're when you're in a 
unhealthy environment, especially at a young age, you have no idea how bad it is. Totally. Until you get a little older and you gain perspective, you learn what other families mm-hmm. are like. Uh, although all families are dysfunctional, mm-hmm. we're yes. all imperfect <laughs> for sure. All relationships are dysfunctional. Yeah. Uh, we're trying to make them functional. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I think I think you have no idea. You no. think that is that's your norm because that's mm-hmm. all you know. Yeah, and I think a lot of it is just inherent personality. Like you said, you were driven and you wanted more. Like for me, I I didn't like. It wasn't like I was like I'm not gonna go drink, not gonna go do this stuff. Not that you know, whatever that is. It's just, I was just doing my, I just didn't want to do that stuff. It wasn't like, um, I had to make a like very a very obvious decision in your no, brain. No, right? that was just, I had a huge conscious, I conscience. I like never wanted to do anything against my parents. I would apologize if I lied even a little bit, I would feel so bad, but that was just inherent within me. And you know, you also um, grew up in the church. I grew so up that, in the church. I was homeschooled. Of, yeah. So anyway, yeah, I think there is, there's so much to do with it. And some of it, it literally is just your personality and the way that you were born. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Which is crazy. absolutely. I mean, I had a strong conscience, but uh, I think when I got into my early years of high school, you know, it's just like, hey, I'm going to totally. do my too. thing. Gonna, <laughs> Bring what? I'm going to party. And, yeah. Uh, but it's funny. I was also disciplined in weird ways. Like I remember in eighth grade, I decided I wasn't going to drink, I don't know, what do you call it? Soda, pop, what uh-huh. do you call it? <laughs> soda. Soda. Yeah. Uh, I wasn't going to drink soda again because I just knew that it was unhealthy for me. And you I, have it? I never drank soda after that. That's so, awesome. Wait, Wesley doesn't even know what to call soda or pop because yeah. he's no that idea. healthy you never of a drink person. It. So you're vegan. Let's actually yes. talk about that because I think that's really important to mental health itself because you take a lot of, um, not pride, well, maybe you can speak for yourself, but you're so good at taking care of your body. That's one thing that I miss being around you all the time, especially since I worked for you. I made a lot of your meals. Yes. And we always so, had healthy food. In, oh, yeah. In the we always staff had office. healthy food. And I was partial. I know vegans hate hearing that, but I was like a partial vegan, especially when I was around you. I would go through really good seasons of being vegan because of my personal health I can't be vegan most of the time um but do you want to talk a little bit more about that and what that means to you yeah I think just like on a personal basis uh, I've always tried to be healthy um exercising uh sleep patterns and then the food that I eat I think those are three core basic rhythms and things that I believe that God had Uh, wired into creation to be healthy human beings Mm -hmm. Um, so the food we eat sleep cycles and moving Um, but as far as like food I wasn't I I grew up in a home that we really didn't have vegetables I mean we had like iceberg lettuce (laughs) and so nutritious we had cucumbers in our salad but with like really bad dressing full of sugar and Uh uh, bad oils and then you know we'd have like maybe like frozen corn or uh, sometimes we had asparagus once in a while we had broccoli but I didn't know about like really good whole foods healthy eating until I got married my wife had grown up eating like plant-based diet she never really liked me she always loved eating lots of vegetables and like really good grains so when we got married uh, I remember one day she brought home these like huge leaves and I had no idea what they were. Big green leaves. And I was like, wow, are you, you know, are those 
flower type things for the house <laughs> and she's like no this is charred and kale and collard greens and I was like what's that and she's like we oh eat gosh. them I had never ever seen them nor so tasted anything like that before so That's that hilarious. was like my introduction and from that point on it was like all healthy eating because I actually I started eating that way we juiced every morning and I felt so good I had mm-hmm. so much more energy and I had a lot of energy previously but I just felt better Mm -hmm. Um, and so that's that was kind of like the kickstart now I'm 16 years into eating this way and I'll Mm -hmm. never go back I'm never gonna forget when (laughs) we went to Sabai and the one thing you always got was the Tom Ka soup only to find out one time when me, you, and Zach yes. went that they put fish oil in it. <laughs> and they had never told Wes. And the owners knew Wes, too, and knew that he was a vegan. And that was the crazy, the look on your face, the shock. And you're like, what else am I supposed to get every time what I come I here do now? now? It was so good. So funny. Maybe oh, it was healthy so for good. me, you know? Yeah, who knows? So it's all good. That's so, so funny. funny. Um, I was listening to some of your podcasts yesterday and I did notice that that was one thing you said, um, in a lot of them was that like sleeping, working out and eating healthy are so important for your mental health. And I think it's in this society, we say that all the time, like just take care of yourself, self care, but it's like actually getting to the root of it and being like, no, seriously do it. (laughs) Like if you have depression or anxiety, it's like, oh my gosh, it makes such a big difference to take. Because really, your body truly is a temple. And if you take care of it like that, your mental health can change so much. So I respect that a lot. And there's an immense amount of research in the scientific community around uh, the food we eat, movement, and uh, sleep cycles and patterns Mm -hmm. in our life and how that affects us both positively, if it's healthy, and negatively, if it's unhealthy. Um, And... You know, it's interesting, I listen and read all the time, leading uh, psychologists and psychiatrists and mental health thinkers. Um, I I read that, um, I listen and and read um, on those subjects uh, daily. And everybody is reverting back to those three things Mm -hmm. uh, in the mental health field on a consistent basis, Mm -hmm. whether that's dealing with trauma or anxiety or depression, uh, therapy. They're reverting back to three core basic human needs to be healthy and uh, how the foods that we eat affect our um, gut microbiome and the bacteria, how that that communicates to our brain, um, how um, movement affects the brain and releasing uh, different chemicals in our brain and how that affects the human mood. how uh, our sleep cycles um, can actually exasperate mental health conditions if we have unhealthy sleep patterns, especially uh, teenagers whose brains are forming, but all people. Up until the invention of the light bulb, I believe humans slept 11 hours a day. That's incredible. I love that. Um, I know, I me too. I love that. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. But eight to 10 hours of sleep is really healthy yeah. on a consistent basis. And mm-hmm. so I think that it's important that we think about those things because mm-hmm. our lifestyle choices affect our soul yeah uh, affect our mind yesterday we had you at the church and we did a really cool q a um and the craziest fact you're full of facts the craziest one that you said was about sleep and 
whenever you lose one hour of sleep? Can you, do you know what fact I'm talking about? Can yeah, you repeat so there was, that? Yeah, so there was a study done of 28,000 teenagers. And basically the conclusion of that study was um, that the teenage brain to function healthily and optimally needs eight to 10 hours of sleep per night. Uh, and for every one hour less than that, there was a 30% increase in the chance of becoming depressed. Um, Mind blowing. Yeah. And, and there's it a, makes so much sense. Totally. There's a huge movement in neuroscience and psychiatry, psychology to push school systems to allow students to get more sleep. Um, mm. Students start so early in the morning. There's so much pressure around homework, the demands of homework. You know, you go to school from the morning to the afternoon, you go home, you have to do homework. So there's a lot of stress and then unhealthy cycles that are built that affect comprehension, brain, mm -hmm. learning, all of that stuff. So, yeah, I mean, it's these simple things in life that we neglect that totally. have a profound effect on us. I think that was one of the biggest things when I had my postpartum depression, not getting any sleep. Mm -hmm. And that's so common. And so how much of an effect do you think because you um were talking about yesterday um and if you want to talk about a little bit today about how you've had um anxiety i don't know about depression you didn't talk about that much but um what because you have such a healthy lifestyle when you had anxiety or um when you're going through times of difficulty is it harder for you to stay healthy in those ways mm -hmm. yeah i think I think it's a learning process, you know, what you need to be healthy. I think each of us has unique circumstance, context, personality, um, ways that we were developed as kids. So I think there's a lot that goes into it. It's a layered reality. I think for me, I started to notice uh, symptoms of anxiety when I was in college, mm. um, playing basketball, uh, which is like a full-time job in college. And then... Uh, with academics, I'm, I'm really driven, so I wanted to succeed in both. So I really invested myself in. My You're academics. one of the smartest people I know. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> I don't know, like, um, but yeah, I, I I was really invested in that, mm -hmm. and so I started to notice. I, I put pressure on myself. So like when I was in undergrad and graduate school, I wanted to get straight A's on every assignment I did, every test that I took. So I put a lot of pressure on myself. And then when I started a church and the church grew really fast, I also was putting a lot mm -hmm. of pressure on myself. I worked mm -hmm. really hard. I didn't have a lot of margin. Um, it was a fast paced, high stressed environment. And when anything, you know, everybody who starts something wants it to go viral or wants it to grow mm -hmm. fast, but they have no idea the hardship, the struggles, the stress, the pain, mm -hmm. uh, and the repercussions that take place totally. with fast growth. Yeah. So I was experiencing a lot of that. And I think that was the height of my anxiety. Those first five years mm -hmm. starting Ecclesia, it grows to a couple thousand people. You're constantly changing every dynamic. You're changing structures. You're changing systems because you outgrow structures and systems. You're hiring new people. You're having to train them. You're learning how to be a boss and lead a team. And you're like, I have no idea how to do this well. Mm -hmm. So you're so, starting a church, which is starting a business, which a lot of people don't understand. There's so many business aspects to it. And then in the middle of that, sorry, I know a lot of his story, so I'm kind no. of maybe yes. skipping a few Narrate. things. Um, during all of that, on top of that, 
what's going on in your personal life. Yeah, so I'm dealing with anxiety. I was having panic attacks. Mm-hmm. Uh, had no idea to, how to get out of this. Uh, I, I still was exercising. I was eating healthy. But I didn't know the underlying cause of mm-hmm. what I was going through other than the fact that I was emotionally, mentally, physically depleted. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you are a public figure that helps people, people want to be with you, hang out with you. They want to become your friend. They want you to help them with every aspect of their life. And you're a human, right? And so you can only do so much. But for somebody that really cares about people, you kind of expend yourself past a healthy limit. So I did that as well. And then at the same time, uh, five years into um, our church plant that went crazy, My wife got in a second car accident. She'd been in a car accident when we were dating. Uh, She had major injuries to her spine, nerves in her spine. Um, The doctor, after uh, doing reconstructive back surgery, said that she she would have been paralyzed if she had prolonged the surgery. Mm -hmm. Uh, So from that point on, she dealt with chronic pain, uh, had a hard time sleeping. Um, And, you know, anybody who deals with long-term chronic pain, it's just, it is... It affects every part of life. You know, when we think when we think somebody is going through something, they have one form of suffering. We think that that's just local, right? Like they're just dealing with this, but suffering is not just local. It's expansive and pervasive. It affects every part of who we are. And so she's living with that. We moved from Hawaii to Eugene. It's a different climate. It exasperates some of her pain. Um, and then she gets in a second car accident, which kind of reshapes our whole life. Um, more, she had in the next five years she had more surgeries than I can even count um, and so yeah I think that combination of things um, was really challenging me dealing with my own mental health totally stressed out burnt out and, and I like to define burnout because we use it it's a pop culture term people talk about it outside the church and inside the church burnout is a category of stress Burnout is when, you know, can take place. We often talk about it in relationship to jobs where we become so depleted mentally, emotionally, physically in a job because of chronic prolonged stress over a long period of time that we see no way out. You know, we 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 want to quit. We have no idea how to get out of the feelings that we're feeling um, and it becomes a vicious cycle. So uh, burnout can also happen in a relationship, a toxic relationship, where we just become so depleted that, you know, you kind of hit a wall. Um, And what happens is it it begins to affect our body. So -hmm. there's physical repercussions to burnout. Uh, Mm -hmm. There's emotional repercussions to burnout. Uh, There's obviously relational repercussions because you can't you can't only give so much when you Mm -hmm. are so depleted. so yeah, I, I was burnt out and, um, and that just means I was exhausted. I needed yeah. time away. And yeah, that was, a, that was a really challenging season of life. And we're, we're kind of on the tail end of that. My wife just had her last surgery. Um, yes, we're so, so grateful. awesome. Um, it's been really hard. Uh, and yet we are also resilient people. Mm. Um, we have hope. We're purposeful. Life, our, our purpose in life and our identity of who we are hasn't stopped even in the midst of our suffering mm. and pain, although we feel that. That's so huge. Um, yeah, I, th- I tell people, 
when you're going through long-term suffering or you're going through sorrow and grief over loss, two things that I've observed is people lose their person and they lose their purpose. Hmm. All of a sudden, their, their suffering or their grief overshadows their identity and what they're created to do. Hmm. And I think it's so essential not to lose who we are and lose our purpose in life in the midst of our pain. Um, yeah. Oh my gosh, you just... I know, that's hitting <laughs> so many levels right now. Yeah. That was the ultimate golden nugget. I know. It's <laughs> it's really interesting that, because, you know, having you on was kind of last minute. Um, in the past couple of weeks, I've been struggling a lot with what I found to be anxiety, and I didn't know it, and I was having problems breathing, and my body was going numb, and I haven't really talked to many people about that. Um, and I went to the doctor and I was so confused. I was just like, there's something wrong with me. I have asthma or whatever. And then I started talking about it and she was like, are you like stressed? And I'm like, I mean, I don't know. And then I started to really tap into, I think the thing that I had been pushing back of all of the things that have been building up, like you're talking about. And then it was directly affecting my physical being. And that's so scary to reach that point. But it was also relieving to be like, oh, it's not something bigger, you know, but at the same time, like what you're talking about, I truly started to realize I find my identity in how successful this is. I find my identity in how good my relationship is. I find my identity in all of the things that I preach to other people, like don't find your identity in these things. But I was doing that with, without, I think, even knowing that I was doing that. Um, and so like, like you're saying, it's so, it's so crazy when I was hearing your podcast, cause I'm like, you started your podcast, not only to help, cause I know you've had anxiety, but I feel like to get better for your wife. And that was really inspiring to me that you have dedicated your life to mental health, um, to not lose your purpose. And cause so many people would give up mm-hmm. with where you are with your wife. So many people would stop but you've kept going and now, you know, you're reaching the end of it. And I totally, God is totally going to bless you guys through that. Um, that was just like, (laughs) but it's, it is really, it's really inspiring that you're saying all this stuff. So (laughs) yeah, I think it's been a huge learning curve for me, you know, relating to somebody who's living with chronic pain and dealing with so many, uh, you know, biological, um, problems mm-hmm. and sicknesses uh, and um, health disorders, health mm-hmm. conditions. Uh, yeah, I think, I think I've failed so many times, you know, but in the pursuit of that, I'm learning, I'm growing, I'm changing. Um, I, I continue to learn um, how to relate, how to engage, how to understand. Um, I try to educate myself as much as possible. Uh, around like her conditions and what she goes through so yeah I think I think a lot of it is what I've learned I'm trying to share with other people another aspect of it is that I'm a thinker I'm a researcher Um, I in graduate school I loved all my counseling courses Uh, I love psychology I love understanding the human condition and I love helping people Mm -hmm. and I think in our culture today understanding mental health suffering what people are going through and speaking into that is so important um, inside and outside of Christianity because the amount of people that are dealing with these things that have no idea what it is and how to navigate through it how to find help healing hope um, it's the greatest percentage of people in American history um, 
dealing with mental health problems than ever before, mm-hmm. especially the younger generation. So I want to, I feel called by my experience and by how God wired me um, with my brain, with my ability to research and, you know, produce content to help as many people as possible, mm-hmm. uh, find hope and help and, and navigate through the tough stuff in life. Yeah. yeah. I, I think that we're in a really interesting time right now where we're trying to fit in so much into our weeks that a normal work week isn't a nine to five. I mean, that's a dream if you have a nine to five job. Um, where now, if you're not working constantly, then what are you doing? Mm-hmm. It's almost like that is your identity. It's like a badge of honor to be tired and to be it, busy. Oh my gosh, yes. Yeah. To say, oh, sorry, I've been so busy. Um, or, oh, I got like no sleep last night because I was just doing so much. Are Literally you me you? last night. <laughs> that's you every night. I Which know. is not a badge of honor. No, yeah, no, 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 no. I wanted to sleep so bad. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so that's really hard. And I would say that that's a really difficult part of my own identity as a mother, which is I feel like I'm not doing anything. And so just it's great having friends and people who can speak truth into me and say, hold on, do you, you not see your something. one and a half year old? Yeah. And um, to me, although I, I, I definitely have, I guess, a badge of honor of no sleep. Um, I would say that I almost don't see the profit myself because I'm so close to it, maybe. Or I want to see the profit in a very tangible way, maybe in the same way that Olivia, you're wanting mm-hmm. to see your own profit because a lot of things just take time. I would say that I'm only now getting to a point where I, I see the good in what I'm doing, unfortunately, because he's growing up and he's talking and mm. he's walking around and he's running and he's healthy and he's great. Um, but I think that's a really interesting thing now in our culture. And I think that makes a lot of sense with the upswing in anxiety and depression because we're not getting any sleep because we're also on our phones all the times. Um, all the times. All the time. That's okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so it's really interesting now having friends who are a little older and they're saying how they have to take their phones away from their kids because mm. they would only get two hours of sleep at night if they didn't take their phones away. Um and so I'm, I'm curious, another really good thing that you were talking about yesterday is the word psychology and what it actually means because you're a Greek scholar <laughs> in my brain. Maybe you don't call yourself that, but um, you were talking about what psych means and it has to do with the heart and we don't really think of psychology as a heart and mind working together and your soul working together depending on what you believe in and um i think that's something that we've missed for the longest time as a culture and we're now becoming more okay with talking about our feelings and we're barely on the cusp of that as well and so that's what i love about hearing in your podcast not only am i learning more about Um, chronic illnesses and how to talk to people with chronic illnesses or how to understand people better with chronic illnesses but you're also talking about things just in every day how to think differently about what you're suffering and what you're going through and that 
probably everyone around you is going through something. Mm -hmm. And so how to understand people in that and give people more benefit of the doubt too. And so I'm curious as to what you think about our culture right now and where you think that we're going. Because I think that as any trend, quote unquote trend, comes in, you'll go the complete opposite way. And so I'm curious what you've been seeing as far as psychology and therapy culture and then where you think that we're going. Yeah, no, great question. Um, I think because Generation Z and millennials are dealing with mental health conditions more than any generation alive today, and because these two generations want to communicate what they're going through, want to find help, and want to be more um, open and vulnerable with their pain and the issues that they're dealing with in their life. I think it's becoming such a important um, topic in our society because it's being communicated about. And there's a lot of stigmas that are that we're all trying to deconstruct because we're all feeling these feelings. Mm-hmm. We all are feeling this anxiousness, this purposelessness, this you know, sorrow and depression in our soul. And so if you have, you know, 25% of the population dealing with these things, primarily, you know, looking at the younger generations, eventually we're either going to implode or we're going to, we're going to talk about it and we're going to find help and healing. And so I think our culture as a whole is looking for answers um, and also looking to deconstruct stigmas on so many levels, not just in the mental health uh, context and I think that's really important I think you know deconstructing stigmas you know negative stereotypes which is essentially what a stigma is is valuable and then normalizing this stuff because it's like you're experiencing these feelings this week I experienced the, these feelings of anxiety somebody else is dealing with depression uh, and if we're going to be open and find help we have to make people feel like it's okay not to be okay Mm -hmm. and it's okay to seek help. Mm -hmm. Uh, Part of the problem with the stigmas around these conditions is that we think of them in such polarizing realities. You know, somebody goes out and, you know, uh, murders a bunch of people in a mass murder or school shooting and everybody blames that person, the reason that they did that on mental health. So then somebody is listening to that discussion or that newscast and says, oh, I'm not going to talk about being depressed because people are going to think that I'm going to go out in anger and hatred and kill a bunch of people. Um, that's an extreme stereotype. So most most of us are functioning well in life, relationally, vocationally, but we're just dealing with this internal realities mm-hmm. of anxiety, depression, stress, whatever it may be. and. We shouldn't feel ashamed. We should be open. We should be open to finding help. We can't do everything on our own and we can't carry all of our burdens on our own. That's why we need community. I think when people are dealing with suffering and mental health issues, the great temptation is suppression and isolation. Suppression meaning we don't talk about it, we don't share, we don't open up, we don't emote. And then isolation means we don't tell anybody. We have no relationships. We begin to isolate and live within our ourself and uh, put up walls mm-hmm. relationally. And that is toxic. Um, 
reality is somebody's going through the same thing. When we open up, it is the first step to healing. Mm-hmm. When we talk about it, when we, when we have community, we find support. We find people to hold up our arms and our hands. So I think that culture is looking for that. Um, I think they're also looking for practical answers. Uh, you know, I think that psychology, the idea of psychology, you know, the, the original term, suke, the Greek term, um, means the study of this means the soul and and psychology is the study of the soul the soul is your mind your emotions your will uh your decision making uh, aspect it's it's the entirety of our inner being and uh the soul is a complicated reality in a complex world Mm -hmm. and so psychologists study the human condition and study aspects uh, or conditions that humans go through, and they become experts on those. And I think that's an amazing thing. I, I can, I can be somebody who understands the Bible, but understands the human condition. And if I understand both those things, I can really help people. Mm-hmm. Um, I can speak into the reality. I can paint pictures. I can understand what they're going through. And so that that that's two worlds that I try to live in because I don't want to just understand theology. I want to understand the human condition and what people go through. Um, and if somebody's given their life, for example, I, I have a book, uh, the leading expert on emotions in the brain in America. She's uh, in Boston. She's been studying the brain and emotions and how emotions are developed and cultivated, not hardwired into infants. Um, they're developed and cultivated Um in their formative stages, I want to learn from her. I mean, she the science behind that is intriguing and fascinating. So I want to understand that and realize that God created our brain and it is really complex. So I think psychology is a beautiful thing. I think therapy is a beautiful thing. Uh, talking and having somebody that is an expert in navigating through these conditions and giving us practical tools to help is really, really good. So. I love the trajectory of where culture is going, um, and I love that people are talking about these issues more and more. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be honest. It's really difficult to... So for the longest time, I was the person who would just say, buck up and deal with it, because I didn't understand it. And I think as time went on, you were talking about how um, people put up walls And I feel like in the past three years, I'm the queen of like, please, someone help me build walls because I've been hurt so much. Mm. And so I think when I talk to other people about mental health, for me, it's like, oh, it's not my choice. It was not my choice to get hurt by all these people who I trusted more than anything. And then it's like, yeah, I'm going to build up walls because I have to protect myself or I will just crumble. And, you know, I was talking to my mom the other day and she goes, I've really noticed you've been uh, building up walls. And I'm like, well, I have to. Like, what else am I supposed to do? And she goes, sometimes I, I kind of wonder, like, like, where's your heart? I'm like, that's a tough question because, ouch, <laughs> that's fair. But also it's like, how can you be, because lately I don't want to be vulnerable because it feels embarrassing. Like, I don't want to be weak because when I was weak, those people hurt me and now they're just existing in the world and they know all those deepest parts about me. Mm. So what would you like, what advice would you give to people like me that have just been hurt by not even just like bad people, right? Like good, awesome people, but it just, I've been hurt by them. So how do you get past that and become vulnerable again? Yeah. I think we have, you know, I think we have to be aware of our response mechanisms, how we respond to pain. Mm -hmm. We have to process through that. 
you know and i think all of us have like different things that we guard uh, to protect us when we have been hurt um, especially on a consistent basis maybe in a particular area i have found personally that talking about my own weaknesses my own struggles my own failures my own learning curve uh, my own trajectory of self-awareness my own suffering has created a platform to help people and influence people more than anything else in my life mm -hmm. so i feel i guess in a way i feel whole when i open up about my suffering and my hurts and my pains uh, i feel a sense of peace i feel a sense of relief mm -hmm. um just on a personal level uh i think i'm i'm guarded too like you because i was hurt a lot as a child so yeah. i think um letting people i mean i'm i'm i can freely talk to anybody but letting people like really in uh, yeah, to that's my what life I, mean. yeah. uh, I tend to be guarded because i want to trust them mm -hmm. and i want to know that they're not just trying to be my friend to get something mm -hmm. uh, but because they really like like me totally. uh, and maybe you don't like me that's okay too i love yeah. you though so <laughs> yeah. um yeah i think that that is one of my mechanisms that i've noticed in my life is that i'm guarded from mm -hmm. that like core intimacy um so you know i look at somebody like zav and lisa and i just like feel so like i trust them uh, mm -hmm. they've been a part of my life i've been a part of their life i love them they're so encouraging and caring and kind um and I don't feel guarded, you know, but I think we have to like be aware of those mechanisms uh, and cycles mm -hmm. in our own life and how we protect ourselves and ask, is this healthy? Is this unhealthy? Right. Um, am I, am I doing this as a response to somebody, what somebody else has done to me? And now am I, am I becoming less human? Am I becoming less mm. healthy as a human because of these mechanisms that I've developed over time because of my hurts? Right. Yeah. And you can only really do that for so long. And yeah. And I think I'm starting to realize that, oh, you can only do this for so long until it either takes a toll on you physically or you really start to see people pulling away in your life because you're not being super like it's really easy for me to talk about oh i'm struggling with this i'm struggling with that but like you said like really opening your heart and letting people in and i find when i do that we were talking about last week like uh what did you say vulnerability remorse vulnerability hangover hangover like where i think about it the next day and i'm like oh, why did i do that i'm You're thinking weak. of all that's of the such a good phrase it, yeah. it's from Brene brown have you listened to her she's amazing she's the best yeah so true vulnerability I, got, I got that last week uh, the, the, podcast the podcast we're about to take out because I yeah. got really deep about um, my pregnancy mm. and um, what happened last time and I was like oh my gosh did I talk too much that's always my number one thing did I talk too much mm -hmm. did I say too much but I also think that um, being guarded is also something that comes with wisdom mm. I think it's really smart to be guarded because um, I, I think that it's, well, maybe I'm, I'm the one who needs to work on this, but I used to, I was in a family. Well, I was, I'm still in this family who is very guarded. Mm -hmm. We keep a lot to ourselves. That's a lot of our Romanian culture in us. Um, you don't talk about your feelings. Like you just buck up. Um, 
even yesterday after church, it was a very difficult conversation with my dad because he said, yeah, I don't know what's what's wrong. When I'm depressed, I just go outside and I feel better. And I'm like, dad, that's not depression. Maybe you're sad or maybe you're inside all day too long. I was like, true depression that you can't just go outside and feel better. And it's hard for me because my dad doesn't know that I had postpartum depression and that I was on medication and um, I was having awful thoughts because I don't think that he can understand it quite yet. Um, He also doesn't understand English very well. So him being at church, he can only take in so much. Um, And I think that what I used to do because that's how I grew up as a child I then wanted to overshare and I think that I was giving up very personal pieces of myself to people who didn't deserve it and who would take advantage of that and I think that only in time did I learn if someone truly cares then they will truly show that Hmm. because and, so good. and this is also why um, I care so much about saying how are you and meaning it and why I wish that wasn't just something that we say to strangers because I only want to hear that and I only want to say that if I mean it. And so um, train of thought, train of thought, where was I going with that? I think that when I um, got into high school and I went into college, I was only learning little by little what to share, how much to share. And what I really learned in that time was I'm only now truly understanding what's going on in my brain. And I think that only came in wisdom. Um, Even for instance, when um, I was in Eugene, I had a really hard time making friends. I mean, I left Eugene only, I keep in contact with one person who doesn't even live there anymore. And there was this one girl who I thought I got along with, I thought I got along with her really well. And um, I shared a personal piece of information with her. And um, she ended up sharing it with someone else, apologized. And she said, I think you actually just trust me too much. And... Although I I don't think that was a great thing to hear, nor do I wish anyone to say that or think that way. I think that she wasn't mature enough for the information that I gave her, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And so I think that took trial and error. And I think that although that was really hard, that was really good for me to go through to understand you know what that's a really good point I trusted her too much although I could then look back and see I wanted to be closer with her than she wanted to be closer with me so just being more aware of other people and how they're reacting to you too Mm -hmm. and so although Wes you say you're guarded and you're careful with what you share I think that's a really good thing because there's so much deep personal Mm -hmm. stuff that you're going through and you don't know who's gonna take advantage of that or share that with someone else um and that's how gossip happens too right yeah yeah and I think 
you know, gossip is interesting. I think people like to create information when they don't have the information. So yeah. they'll just make up their own storylines. Yeah. Uh, or they just lack understanding. I think you're, you're in a particular vulnerable situation too because, you know, now you guys are public figures. Mm-hmm. You hadn't chosen to be a public figure, right? That's the hard part. Nope. Um, <laughs> We're famous now. Yeah, I think, yeah, um, yeah with, with Zav's like position, you know, it becomes like, yeah, you got to use wisdom in navigating that. And I think it's those are like the core relationships that you build over time where you really build longevity and trust mm-hmm. and you see those values in other people and how they respond to things that you share. Like, I think that's good. I think you don't dump out all your yeah. deep, deep stuff to everyone. Because truly not everyone cares. And honestly, and I don't Agreed. mean that in mm-hmm. a bad way. No, it's true. It's just that for myself, I only trust a few certain people because... I honestly have so many people in my life. Why would I trust absolutely everyone? I have no reason for that. I think that there's a reason I'm I'm close with my family and I like my family, my core unit, knowing the closest things about me rather than a ton of my acquaintances. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also think that's the great thing about the podcast. People can still know stuff about me without having to hang out with a ton of people since I'm an introvert. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Love that. My wife's an introvert too. And I'm an ambivert. I'm like, I can hang with the introverts and hang with the extroverts. Wait, yeah. what is that called? Ambivert. ambivert. I, I think I always look for that word and I just, not, I just never know what it was yeah. called. Yeah. Wow. You learn something new every day. Um, okay. I just want to transition a little bit. Um, because so when I was listening to your podcast and you were talking about hope and hope is obviously like a central word in a lot of your podcasts. Um, and you said something so dynamic to me. You said, you don't need hope unless they're suffering. And it totally clicked with me because Arturo and I are the same. Um, I, I don't like the word hope unless it's in relation with, you know, our hope in Christ because I think hope is a doubt word. So like whenever I hear people say, you know, I, I hope this works out or yeah, I'm going to start a business and like, I hope it's successful. And I always correct people. I'm like, no, just say it will be do it. Say it will be successful because it's, it's a mind just, you have to, you know, shift your mentality. Um, but when you said that, it was like, that's why I don't like the word hope because it's in relation with suffering or I complete doubt. But, but where did you, like, where did you get that? Like, can you speak a little bit on your perception of hope and stuff? Yeah. You know, hope is the ability to look forward, uh, to a reality that's better than where you're at, you know? And so I look at, I look at our world, our world is broken. Our world has immense suffering and it's contrary to God's original design where everything was in harmony with its intended purpose. So post the brokenness of humanity, we need something to look forward to, right? Mm -hmm. We need something to say, you know, my podcast is called Better Days. There are better Mm -hmm. days ahead. And I think that's where hope is inserted. Hope there, there's no such thing as hope without pain. There's no such thing as hope without suffering. Mm-hmm. If everything is functioning according to God's perfect design, equilibrium, we don't need hope per se. Um, but we need hope because we exist in this state of suffering, pain, brokenness. So I think when we think of hope, it's not wishful thinking, right? Like, or positive thinking. It's it's this deep reality that all human beings are searching for in light of their own personal suffering and brokenness. And when I define hope, 
this is something that I just kind of coined and I'm, a, I'm an ideator and a thinker and I try to think of these concepts and like uh, bridge gaps because I think sometimes we explain things in an unhelpful way. When I think of hope, I think of what I've coined honest hope. Honest hope to me is when you are going through hard stuff, you are allowed to feel the pain. You're allowed to grieve. You're allowed to express the uncomfortableness of whatever you're going through. You're allowed to emote whatever emotions are taking place in your life around that source of suffering or pain. But in addition to that, you also have this reality of hope that there is better days ahead. That that with, you know, in the Christian context, with Jesus, he promises us not only future better days, but he is present with us in the midst of our suffering and pain. So we have hope in a relationship and we have hope in a future reality. Um, and that to me is an anchor, like in my life and my personal suffering, finding hope in my relationship with Jesus and even my relationship with people that speak encouragement and love. I find hope and strength in that. Um, so yeah, I think hope happens in the midst of pain. And I think in the midst of pain, we're allowed to be honest about the pain, but we also have a hopeful reality. Can you also talk about joy? Because I think joy ties in yeah. a little true joy. What what you say is joy? Yeah, a lot of a lot of these concepts that I've thought through, I've thought through because of my own life. You know, trying to process things that I've heard, um, cliches I've heard in 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 the church and Christianity that I think, uh, is that real? Like, cause maybe that didn't work in my life or I don't understand yeah. how that works. Cause it's not working for me. You know, people say, you know, you're, you're going through suffering, you choose joy. Mm -hmm. And then I think, what does that mean? Like, what does it mean to choose joy? Joy to me, isn't something I'm like, I get up in the morning and you know, I, I'm experiencing this suffering and I'm like, I'm going to be happy today. <laughs> You know, I'm going to choose to think of everything that is good and positive today. I, I don't think that's reality. And I don't think that's what God meant by joy. Joy is an inner disposition. Joy is something we have despite our suffering, despite our pain, because Christ lives in us um, and he's the source of our joy. So I think we can have joy and sorrow, joy and and pain, uh, joy and various forms of suffering simultaneously. They're not mutually exclusive in my mind. Uh, so there are days that I feel joy deep down in my soul, but then I'm crying, you know? And then after I cry, I feel joy again, right? <laughs> yes, um, we Because it's healing and cathartic. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I think, I think sometimes we just, we don't think about what we're saying. We, everything's a solution, right? Um, and sometimes God wants us to exist and feel and live in our reality but he also provides these resources that are amazing mm -hmm. um, but they're based on a relationship and an orientation to god yeah i think contentment lives in that mm -hmm. um as a culture now what's next what do we do next yeah. or maybe not even just a culture now but just forever just thinking what's what's next how am i going to get there what am i going to do mm -hmm. and so just being content and where you're at and being okay with the journey the journey i i hate that but know, yeah but it's true yeah because the journey is what it is even when you get to uh point z 
it's still a journey. Is there ever really a point Z? Not really. Mm. Even as Christians, we believe we get to heaven. That's not point Z. Like you're, that's the life that you live in heaven. What we're learning right now is to be content in where we're at and yeah. to trust in the journey. Mm-hmm. And that's no matter what happens. And so in that, uh, can you talk about what suffering means? And um, I really want you to um, to to talk about, well, to encourage um, people who go through suffering and see suffering and um, how about, yeah, how about you just talk about it? Because <laughs> you, you can, you'll yeah, talk about it. Great. Yeah, I mean, suffering's hard. Suffering's painful. Suffering's uncomfortable. Uh, suffering isn't God's original intention or design. And yet he came into this world and he lived in the midst of suffering. He suffered himself. And so I think just being maybe a seasoned veteran now in the realm of suffering, um, I would just say to people like, I'm so sorry, you know, whatever you're going through is hard. And uh, sometimes people like to evade you because suffering can be messy and uncomfortable. But I would lean into your life and say, we care about you. Um, if you're listening and you're going through a hard time in life and it's okay that it's hard and it's okay that it's painful and it's okay that you're not always feeling great. It's okay. If you don't always wake up in the morning with a happy face, it's okay that if you, you know, you're, you're dealing with sorrow and sadness and depression and anxiety or whatever you're going through. Um, but I would also say that we can choose to navigate it, um, we can choose to face it. We can choose to not be paralyzed by it. Um, we still are a human being on this earth. We still have purpose and identity and life and breath. Um, we still have opportunities to find help, um, to navigate whatever we're going through. So I guess my encouragement to you is that your suffering is not who you are but it is a major part of your story and it will shape you. Mm -hmm. It will develop and cultivate who you are as a person. And that's a good thing, but it's not your identity. And there's also help out there. Um, Maybe that's a friend, that's a family member. Maybe that's a therapist. Maybe that's a pastor. Maybe that's a doctor. Maybe maybe it's somebody that's a mentor in your life. Whatever it may be, there's help. Um, So my encouragement to people suffering is to find help. Um, there is hope for your suffering. There are better days ahead. Um, and I think, I think something that profoundly helped me is to know that God, God isn't afraid of our messiness. Hmm. God isn't afraid of our brokenness. In fact, what I see in, in my relationship with God is that he leans into my pain and he leans into the messiness of my suffering and he speaks hope and he speaks his presence and he speaks his love into my life and I, I guess i would reverberate that to anybody listening like god loves you like he's not disappointed in you he's not afraid of your messiness he's not afraid of your exasperation or your emotions that come out of your pain and your suffering like he wants to be right there with you um and i think that has been such a such a foundation for me uh, in navigating this hard, painful, confusing, exhausting, 
season of life um, is to know that God is there. And and then another thing my wife said, I, I was doing a Q&A podcast and somebody asked, how do you deal with long-term suffering? How do you deal with a condition like Kara has that won't be healed? Um, that, you know, it's maybe a medical condition that's not going to get better. It's incurable, incurable um, or it's structural, that's permanent damage. She said something profound. She said, you have to come to a point where you embrace your new reality. Mm. If we're always thinking what if or what could have been or what should have been, we're living in a state that's not real and we're living in a state of disappointment. Mm. Um, we're living in a state of despairing over what isn't. But when you come to a point and you embrace your reality, like this is my life and I'm going to make the best out of it. It's hard. It's painful. I don't want it. It sucks, right? Like, but I'm going to make the best out of it and I'm going to find purpose in it. So I'm going to, I'm going to keep my purpose in life. And I'm going to know who I am and I'm going to embrace the rhythms, the life that I have to live in the midst of this like new context and new reality. Man, I thought that was so profound. That's hard to do. I mean, it's, it's an amazing concept and so helpful. It's hard to do. But I think that if you're living in that world, you have to come to that point where you embrace it Mm -hmm. so you can move forward with your life. So good. I think that one thing that you've also said before is um, God isn't shocked or surprised um, by whatever you're going through. And so there's no shame to going going to God and telling him uh, if you're confessing or if you're thinking negatively about yourself mm-hmm. or you're disappointed in your new circumstance and in your new life because you had an expectation and a hope for what your future was going to be, whether wanting to have kids or you thought you were going to go to this college. I mean, it can be anything and that it's okay wherever you're at. And also knowing that, um, I have pregnancy brain. I'm so sorry. Um, that we're going to cut this out. Can I insert a thought? Yes, please do. So I love that you use the term shame because people that are dealing with suffering or mental health conditions often feel a deep sense of shame. Yeah. Um, And shame is an assault against our identity. Shame says I'm bad. Guilt says I've done bad. Shame says I'm bad. (sighs) Whoa. And for some reason, the majority of humans going through mental health or suffering feel a sense of shame. Um, and I think shame is such a liar, you know, uh, it's a, it's a, it's a cognitive distortion, a distortion of reality, distortion of truth. And we have to fight the lies of shame with, with truth, Mm -hmm. um, and with true identity Mm -hmm. and anybody out there who's dealing with shame in light of their suffering or their pain, or maybe something somebody did to you, those are lies. Shame is a liar. Uh, I just did a podcast on shame as a leader, talking about how leaders feel shame in different contexts, especially when they're suffering. It's pretty common. But I just want to say, like, shame is not the truth. Yeah. Don't listen to the lies of shame in your life if you're suffering. Mm-hmm. Um, you are an incredible human <coughs> being who has immense value and purpose, and you're loved, and people care about you, and we care about you, and shame is not the truth of who you are. Uh, you are not bad. 
and uh, you you are not worthless. You have so much worth and so much value. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. It is really weird because even you know going through like my extreme minor version of anxiety and feeling like like I was I felt shameful I'm like I'm not strong enough I didn't do something right I've let myself get to this point this is my fault and when I was feeling those I'm like those are weird feelings like I've never had that feeling before and over this week I feel like God's really just been showing me like instead of feeling shame let's get to the heart of this let's figure this out because he wants to figure it out with us And I'm starting to get that more and more, like whether that might have been God's way of getting my attention. Like, hey, we need to figure these deep rooted issues out together, but it's okay. And it is, you know, and and we've talked a lot about pop culture and everybody says like, you know, self-care and like take a bubble bath. And I'm so tired of hearing that (laughs) stuff because not that that's bad, like go take a bath if you want. But it's like, but why are you taking that bath? Like, (laughs) let's get down to the root of this issue and figure these things out because you will never get better. Like you can say, well, I got diagnosed with bipolar disorder. Okay. Let's figure this out then. What can we do to help you through these things as opposed to just being like, well, I have anxiety. Okay. Well, why do we have anxiety? Mm -hmm. You know? And, um, yeah, I mean, everything you're saying, like there are better days. And my biggest question as we end this podcast i i want to know what you would say to somebody who says um why why does god let people suffer um Mm. especially some people where it seems almost like a joke that somebody could go through that much Mm -hmm. stuff over and over again um maybe to even non-believers who just don't understand like what would you say to them yeah i always find it interesting that we blame god for our suffering Uh, i think that in my narrative of history uh, God did not create the world that we live in Uh, we chose to exist outside of his design and as a result of that we live in a state of brokenness Um, everything we see uh, not everything but a lot of the, the the things that are painful the things that are in the realm of suffering those are those are realities that weren't a part of God's original creation so when when men and women chose to walk away from a relationship with God and God's design and plan for their lives, uh, for their functionality, uh, for their relationships, we have been living in this state of you know co- consistent degradation, moving away from the realities in the heart of God for His creation, um, and so now we have a lot of pain and suffering. So I don't I don't I don't see. God is the source of our suffering. I see us as the source of our suffering. Yeah, Human beings. That's good. Um, we are perpetrators of evil. God is not. God is a perpetrator of good. He's the designer of good. He's the designer of everything functioning according to its original intention. We are the designers of undoing the original intention. So I, I just, I don't blame God. I've never felt that way. I, I feel like we live in this broken space and God is a redeemer of this broken space. So I think the most beautiful part of this story is that God came down to the brokenness, lived in the brokenness in the person of Jesus and became broken so that we could become whole. Now people are like, well, why didn't, you know, after, you know, Genesis chapter three, why didn't God just make it all better? Well, he could have, but we would have never existed and lived with him forever. So he's allowing human history to go on in this state of brokenness because it allows him to redeem us 
love us, be in a relationship with us so can we can exist when he does make everything perfect for all of eternity in the future. So I'm glad that I'm living in this state. I'm not glad about all my pain and suffering, but I'm glad that I have a life and I have a future life, even in the midst of walking through this painful reality called life on earth. So yeah, I don't blame God. Uh, I think I'm to blame. You know, I've done evil things or I've done wrong things or I've lived my life apart from a relationship with God. I think we're all a part of the problem, um, Mm -hmm. but we're all trying to bring light into the problem, uh, which ultimately God is light. And so, yeah, that would be my answer. That's a great answer. (laughs) Um, So I always like to ask our guests this at the end, but what is the silver lining of your life? A super broad question, but maybe something that that has been really bad, but you have found the good in it. Um, Anything specific? Yeah, I think exactly what we're talking about. Like Mm -hmm. all my experiences, whether it's childhood dysfunction and trauma, um, dealing with my own mental health conditions as a leader, watching my wife go through really, really painful um, medical conditions, I think the silver lining or the redemptive value in all of this is one, it's changed me. Like it's changed who I am as a person, as a leader, um, as a human being, seeing people who go through hard things, like just my compassion, my empathy, my understanding, like it's really changed who I am. Mm-hmm. I'm thankful for who I am today um, because of all of this. I, I, I would never choose it, but it it's done stuff in my life that would not have been done um, apart from it Uh, also I think in a redemptive way we are using our pain to help as many people as possible Mm -hmm. Um, we're using our story to speak hope and help um, and and guidance and maybe deconstructing false realities and Mm -hmm. ideas and constructing like a healthy viewpoint of suffering on this earth and how to navigate it we want to help people so I think that is redemptive you know like here's my story how can i use this to influence people one one great thinker said our greatest influence in life will come out of our greatest pain Mm. and i believe that because it's relatable right Mm -hmm. totally that's awesome so good wes thank you so much thank you guys where where can everybody find you and listen to your podcast yeah so um my podcast is better days it's on all digital platforms if you're apple person spotify google whatever (laughs) um then you know my uh instagram is w-e-s-l-e-y-t-o-w-n-e-i-i-i wesley town the third uh (laughs) or you can follow better days podcast instagram um and uh, you can follow find me on the web just type in wesley town and bunch of stuff will come up perfect well thank you so much for taking the time to do this yeah thank you guys thank you so much for listening shakers we hope you all found value from the show and understand that if you are dealing with depression or chronic suffering that you are not alone feel free to reach out to any of us or join our closed facebook group the salt and pepper podcast insiders um there you can find a community and talk about your struggles or just find a friend don't forget to subscribe rate and review as it helps us out so much to get our episodes out there for more people to hear them we love you all and we will see you next tuesday thanks for listening tune in every tuesday on the salt and pepper or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts 
Be sure to subscribe and please rate and review. Follow us on Instagram at the Salt and Pepper Podcast. Make sure to like and follow our Facebook page and email us for any questions, comments, or ideas about what you want to hear on the show. We will see you next Tuesday.